Hey, it's Joey Thurman. I'm excited to bring you season two of the Fad or Future podcast. We live in a world where information is everywhere, easy to access, and sometimes not always accurate, especially in the health and wellness space, which is exactly why I created this show. There's two sides to every story, and I'm here to present both and let you decide, is it a fad or is it the future? Health fads come and go, but the science behind them is what makes them work or fail. I'm bringing the experts to you and putting the facts on the table so you can decide how and where to put your efforts in your own personal health and wellness journey. All right, what's up? It's Joey Thurman. Here's another episode of the Fad or Future podcast. And in front of me is the Tony Stark of fitness. Uh, Author, Dr. John Jaquish, uh, weightlifting is a waste of time is the name of his new book. I read that whole thing. He's also the creator of the X3 and a bunch of other things. He's holding up. Who's that good looking man there on the cover? That's me. That, that, yeah. that, Amazing, that's, right? That, that is you, dude. That's why I tell, uh, tell my friends, never doubt my badassness. <laughs> well, I, 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 for one, I just want to say I appreciate you coming on. Um, I've heard about you for a long time. Uh, then your people connected with me, sent me an X3 bar um, and the book. So I, I truly appreciate that. And, you know, thanks for having coming on, man. Yeah. So let's just get into it. You have a PhD. You're a very smart guy. What's your PhD in? Biomedical engineering. Okay. So yeah, you're, you're a little smarter than most individuals, I, I would imagine. Although I've met many PhDs that don't have a lot of common sense, but I think you got it. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That doesn't like somebody's, you know, their credentials, they can mean something, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean everything. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I, I've met, I've met people who are scientists who like absolutely reject science when it's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like that confirmation bias, you know, you, you right, right. You, what your study is, what you, what box you want to put yourself in. And then you've got your one study that you can keep referring back to so you can disregard anything else. So what is it exactly that you do. I mean, you, you're an inventor, you do all sorts of different things. Uh, you know, you've got the X3 out, you've got your author. Uh, a little bit about your, about your background here. Well, where I got all started was my medical device, uh, OsteoStrong. So I developed a machine that increases bone density or can increase bone density if used correctly mm-hmm. with the right population. Uh, <clears throat> faster than any drug that's ever been trialed. Uh, and there's no side effects. So that's, we have 150 clinics in eight different countries. Uh, and I developed that to treat my mother's osteoporosis and reverse that completely. Wow. So uh, she's in her eighties and has the bones of a 30 year old. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that forced me to see something when I was developing that product and doing the, the, the clinical assessment of it at a hospital in London, <clears throat> I was in London back and forth and basically for a long time, uh, University of East London. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was, uh, I was forced to really look at the kind of forces that were going through bone and determine that the capacity in impact ready ranges of motion so like when you trip and fall and you put your hands up to keep your face from hitting the ground, there's always one position that people take. Little kids, elderly people, if they can react, they all react with the same biomechanics. 
So I looked at those biomechanics. Those biomechanics are capable of absorbing or creating seven times the amount of force that we would normally pick in weight training. Because you pick whatever you can handle in the weaker range, because the weaker range is important right. for blood flow, for stimulus, for stretching uh, through the whole movement, everything uh, for constant tension. Um, so I looked at, at the data I was collecting and I said, so people, depending on the position, they're seven times stronger than they think they are. So when we're in the weaker position, we're actually putting more stress on the joint than we are on the, on the muscle because it's sort of the end of the range of motion. Mm -hmm. And then when we're in the stronger range, there's hardly any activity in the muscle at all because that weight is actually weak compared to what the muscle could actually handle. So I, I said it like the, while we were doing the research there, I'm like, this, this proves weightlifting is a terrible stimulus for muscle growth because we just have one weight. Like if you handle it, whatever you handle at the bottom of the bench press, the same weight at the top, that's idiotic. If you know what kind of force capacities that we have. Right. So we need a weight that changes as we move. Now, a lot of people will say like, well, you know, like weightlifting has, cause I, I had to do some like soul searching here. Like I already had a great business going on with OsteoStrong and Tony Robbins is a partner in that. And that's a successful business. So like, why would I, go and launch something else right. and ultimately uh, the answer came to i have incredible data that will completely change and improve an industry um re really just actually throws out the entire industry and in, you know in favor of something better more simple completely portable you can keep it in a drawer in your house so you no longer have to tell your wife to park outside because you got your your uh, CrossFit uh, rack in her parking spot and your fake plastic weights so you can <laughs> make your videos for Instagram uh, and make sure to throw the weights on the ground so it makes a big noise. You, you, that's, the meathead toss is a complete necessity. Yeah, I think that's how they, you finish competitions now. It's no longer controlling it down. It's uh, the best meathead toss. Throwing it on the ground. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, you know, I kind of like how the, the premise of your book, you sort of, you sort of go into how you came about developing the X3 and osteostrong. That's really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. as far as bone density, because most people aren't lifting enough weight to create that response. So it, it's really interesting. The minimum dose response is 4.2 times your body weight. Yeah. Nobody. So I'm, weight sure, I'm sure your, your, your mother is not, uh, you know, squatting four times her weight, but you know, when it's in a biomechanical advantage on a machine that makes a ton of sense. So you, you talk in your book, you talk about sort of how you came about trying to uh, develop this and, um, and the whole, whole premise behind strength curve and you're not activating enough muscle tissue. And right. can you, can you get into why you believe that, weightlifting isn't as efficient um, as possible for adding muscle tissue? We say that one more time. So why, why from your research, weightlifting, why isn't it as efficient for adding muscle tissue? I mean, that, that's 
uh, a lot of the premise of your book, right? Weight, weightlifting. Is the yeah, it's exactly weight what I just said. It's yeah. like you're handling the same weight, but you have dramatic, like sevenfold different capacities for producing or absorbing force from, from weak range to strong range. So if you know there's a variance of sevenfold, why would you train with a static weight? It makes absolutely no sense. It guarantees you have the maximum amount of cumulative joint damage. You know, I see people like, oh, they got to get a stretch in, you know, while they're you know at the bottom of the bench press. And it's just like, so, you know, do that for 10 years and uh, you're going to have trouble putting your shirt on because mm -hmm. it's just going to damage it a little bit and, and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, you know, all of a sudden you can't train anymore. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, in your book, you talk about those in inhibitory signals that people, when they're, when they're going through those ranges uh, and that with the X3, you take away, you know, some of those in inhibitory signals, you know, so essentially that you're going to get more activation out of that. Uh, can you discuss, you know, what that is for in, in layman's terms for somebody that think talking about, you know, you use bench press as a, a, a common theme, you know, going through this when you're um, at the, you know, end range or beginning range of the motion. But um, what are those inhibitory signals and, you know, why is it uh, important to be aware of that? Well, your body has a way of shutting you down when you're hurting yourself. So a lot of times <clears throat> when someone is, um, when they're lifting and they're, and they're not getting stronger, it's because the body's really shutting the muscle off because you're just creating damage. So instead of going to fatigue, it's really just a trauma response and you never get to muscular fatigue at all. So you never grow. And this is why so many people go to the gym year after year, their joint pain increases, but they never look any different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's funny, like I wrote a book, weightlifting is a waste of time, obviously got a lot of attention. Uh, we sold 75,000 copies, uh, but you know, it made some people mad. Like they were emotionally attached to weightlifting. And I'm like, you should emotionally be attached to results, not doing whatever you're doing. Cause clearly that's not working. You know, let's take a look mm -hmm. at fitness. How many people work out? And I actually have data, there's studies on this, but you know, I just asked the question, how many people, cause most people won't read the details of a study or any statistics because they either don't want to take the time or they're just not smart enough. Right. Um, but unless you're in Venice at Gold's Gym, any other gym you walk into, the people don't look a whole hell of a lot different than the people who are at Pizza Hut next door. <laughs> like it's not working. Like what people are doing, like, and you know, how, I know so many people who they see my approach and just friends of mine and they're like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm approaching it like I was going to be in the Olympia or something like that. And so they're doing whatever they think the pros do, which is usually a lie, you know, because the pros want, it's sort of like Dwayne Johnson eats 12,000 calories a day. Yeah, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Says that to be like, you know, so everyone's like, wow. So the article gets shared. He might, he might as well have said like 30,000 calories or, right. You know, he has a dinosaur farm and he eats dinosaurs. It's <laughs> like, hey, look at me. That's what he said. So uh, it's like, and you know, every fitness person that read that article is like, oh, like what a crock of shit this is. Yeah. 
So uh, I remember that I was train I was training a client and he I don't know if he sent it to me or whatever and he's like look at the five pounds of cod or whatever the hell you like the the diet was I'm like dude's not eating twelve thousand calories a day like no, it, I, even back in the day uh, the the Michael Phelps you know the Michael Phelps ten thousand calorie thing like yeah he's he's not burning that off the dude's in a cold pool which will, will right. help. It's like swimming is actually not really a caloric, <laughs> you know, exchange is that significant. It's so stupid, man. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, anyway. why, yeah, why, why have people been, why have people been doing it? I mean, and as you know, a, a personal trainer and stuff, obviously like you and me having this conversation, like Joey, why would you talk to somebody that says weightlifting isn't beneficial? But I, I want to know the, what the research says, what's works, what gets faster results. And then you can incorporate things. And, you know, I think people, sometimes they, they, they have their Bible, right. And then they read it. And then right. that's the only thing that matters, regardless of any other new research that comes out. Like you can still have your Bible, right. People are not intelligent enough to be anything other than a follower. Mm -hmm. Like if they see some, you know, other people around them succeed, they're like, Oh, well, I'll check it out. But if, if you believe that something is the way it is, everyone around you can fail and you'll still believe that. Yeah. Because it just, what you, what you were taught was right. My point is almost everybody engaged in this, in this activity, like who looks like, and I won't say like a Mr. Olympia bodybuilder, but let's say physique you know, physique competition, which for those people listening, don't know what a physique competition is. It's like underwear model fit. It's like you're, you're, you're strong. You look very strong. You're lean, but you could very well be a natural athlete. Yeah. It's like your, your muscle and fitness versus men's health. Muscle and fitness is going to be big jack guy, your men's health, whatever it's to be. Men's health is actually like what a healthy person should be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, bodybuilding really needs to look in the mirror. It's like, mm, we, it's just, it's just, it doesn't resonate anymore. Right, right. Uh, so, so anyway, like my point, and, and uh, Dr. Sean Baker, I don't know if you ever had him. Yeah, on the show. I had him on the show uh, last year. Yeah, when I was out in LA. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, he said to me, the best part about this book is the name of it because you're right. Like, almost nobody is fit and he's he's a world record strength athlete right but it's just why defend an industry that is almost exclusively failure like how many people look like a physique model that's why i brought the physique model how many people right. look like a model you know maybe one in ten thousand right let's talk about all people here yeah and which is why when a guy has like a full six-pack develop abdominal muscles and very low body fat and he's walking down the beach he might as well be a space alien everybody's staring at him like wow how did that guy do that the reason it's special is because what most people are doing doesn't work and you know work for that guy because he had maybe some genetic advantages maybe some chemical advantages mm -hmm. uh you know maybe he has a eating disorder he's just kind of muscular i know a guy who could step on a physique stage any day any day throughout the year, he doesn't even lift. Hmm. Yeah, he like he just, you know, he was just kind of born like that. So, yeah, I mean, there are, there are some people, or or maybe they just make dietary choices, like they don't like 
carbohydrates or something like that. So they're just at the, for, for their lifetime, they've been at a massive advantage. Right. Yeah. So a lot of these studies that you point to in the, in the book, are these based off of the variable resistance uh, specifically like in and of itself or are some of them using uh, you know, bands, variable resistance for people are listening, just, you know, a band with weights or are they all specifically pointing directly to um, using this variable resistance? You are using the X-ray. So there are no, yeah. there, there are some studies that are coming together. Remember X-ray is new, right? It just came out and it's produced absolutely amazing results. There are people who lifted weights for 20 years and they got more gains in six months after switching to X3 than they did over the 20 years of lifting weights. Yeah. So, um, but as far as data uh, comes, like the variable resistance has been tested in different sort of test lab environments. Sometimes weighted, weight is added, static weight. So it's a portion of static weight and a portion of accelerated weight in the stronger ranges of motion. So like, but it's very light what they're doing. So they might be holding X at the bottom of a movement, mm -hmm. X, whatever, whatever weight it is. And then like 1.2 X at the top. Whereas we're doing like X at the bottom and five X at the top. And that's because we want to do more than like one repetition. Right. So, uh, so you can get multiple repetitions. You can truly exhaust the ATP glycogen and creatine phosphate out of the muscle. So more is required to maintain muscle endurance for the next exercise session. Uh, and, and that combined with the hypoxia and the higher loads, which gives you more muscle protein synthesis and more testosterone, the, the protein synthesis and the testosterone are really force dependent. So like, if you're not going heavy, like you're not growing like that, you're not getting it. Like you gotta go heavy. No, nobody does 20, you know, with regulate 20 rep sets, and, you know, is, is going to be like a relevant strength athlete. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's a big misconception too. people, you know, if, if they're doing 20, 25 reps and they're not pushing their tissue to, you know, complete muscle failure, it doesn't matter, you know, how many reps you did. Um, so in your protocol though, this is really interesting. You're for the most part only prescribing one set, you know, right. Per, per, well, let's, let's say per body part, there's your, your advanced protocol. You have a couple ones where you did like um, a pre-exhaustion type thing in there, but is one set truly going to be enough to induce enough, enough tissue growth? I mean, cause when you look at other studies, they say, you know, I think, you know, we, you and I had a conversation on Instagram months back about um, Schoenfeld, one of the studies about 10 to 20 sets per body part per week by way of, you know, machine or, you know, resistance yeah. training, you're doing, you're doing one set, right? Well, all the most powerful adaptive responses, you know, like suntan or callus. Uh, there's other ones, but everybody knows what a callus is and what a suntan is. So they respond to the most powerful stimulus, which is the greatest amount of energy going into the body in the shortest period of time to cause the irritant. Mm -hmm. I mean, exercise is an irritation and how we respond to that irritation is growth. And there's two different types of growth. There's sarcoplasmic and myofibril. Uh, so the reason people do multiple sets with weight training is because the stimulus is totally weak. Like how many sets do you need to do in the sun? 
to get a suntan. <laughs> Like a 20, right? like, yeah, yeah. Was that a 20-minute set maybe to get a suntan? It doesn't even make sense. It's yeah. like you go out once and that's it. So yeah. yeah. So that that is gonna be completely enough. Uh the the one set of chest, biceps, whatever, to create that uh enough tissue growth relative to if you're looking at somebody that's pushing themselves actually to limit it, you know, maybe 10 to 20 sets per body part per week. Say that again. So meaning for, for the X3, you say we only need to do this, you know, one exercise once, right? So you're doing chest once, biceps once, so on and so forth. So if you're looking at somebody that's actually pushing themselves via resistance training, weight training, whatever mm -hmm. you know, terminology you want to put to it, what are those results going to be similar or better? Or do you not have data on that specifically? Uh <clears throat> I would have to take a number of why well, in the book, I take a number of studies mm -hmm. and explain because of the mechanisms, we know that somebody who's doing 20 sets is going to get a lot of joint damage and a little stimulus. I mean, if they're training heavy, of course, sure. if they're not, there's a lot of people just don't train heavy. And then there's another reason why they go to the gym year after year and they look like nothing, right? They look like they don't even exercise. Uh, and like I said, like whatever, 99.9% .9 of the population. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I would say, so like there was one study in 2008, the Anderson study that shows like triple the strength gains in, in with the variable resistance test group. And these were all college athletes, mm -hmm. university athletes. And then the, uh, and compared to the control group. Now, that's why I called it X3. I thought that was a very clearly written study. Yeah. Well, still a lot of clowns who try and look at X3. They, they can't understand a study. So it's just like, you know, like I gave them something they just don't. They're un incapable of understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. Fitness content comes in two places mainly on the internet, Instagram and, and YouTube. Uh-huh pictures and videos you know why it's because they can't read <laughs> yeah i mean i think the typical fitness fan has got a really low level of intelligence otherwise they'd be able to read an article <laughs> it's just unreal like how how and it was funny because a lot of fitness manufacturers that i talked to before launching the product like because i wanted to like partner with them they were like oh you can't talk science like it'll fail and so all i did was pivot the audience to busy uh busy professionals Mm -hmm. That's really our target market. Now we end up getting a lot of fitness people anyway, but uh, they had to see other people succeed with it first. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I, I, I yeah, I mean, I, it's just I can just tell by the way it is. Like the like, just go to bodybuilding.com. Like, like how do these people? How are they alive? How do they not just like fall in a river? <laughs> well, it's <laughs> funny. Any anytime you I, I and you've seen my posts, I will often quote a study and a reputable study, I, you know, on the stuff that, that I'm doing. And then, you know, I'll, I'll get a response based off of just, just the headline or something like, yeah. like I don't you, know, which I, I want to get into the cardio thing, but I talked about the you know, upregulation of fat. Like I do cardio all the time. And I'm like, just look into it. Like there, there's a lot more than I can answer on an Instagram you on a comment. So anybody listening, I mean, find studies and actually read about them or have, or find 
people that can explain them to you um, would be a good would be a good way to go about it. All right, so how how can people incorporate this um, into their lives? What's your, what's your protocol? And is there something where people can do this? And I mean, people, you know, we're habitual creatures, right? So we want to have our coffee in the morning or whatever. Still go to the gym. Is there is there a way that people could incorporate this while? weight training or you want them just specifically, you know, staying with the X3 for optimal results? I would say if you're a professional athlete, you have to do some drills or some skill work because mm -hmm. skill work is neurological. So it's very different than just building raw power. Right. Right. So like I work with uh, about 20 different NFL players. And uh, so like, I tell them, because they're all worried about some conflict, like they, they do give them quite an education when they get into, into the league. Uh, but I, every strength coach out there is really good right. in the NFL. But they're kind of, they don't know about X, they don't know all about X3 yet. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, really the only entire pro team that has switched to X3 is the Miami Heat, mm -hmm. which is why they endorse the book. Uh, and so, but the NFL players specifically, I like looking at the NFL because these are like the strongest people in the world. Yeah. And I know powerlifters think they're stronger. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, right. You, 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 you're, you're making like, you know, $2,000 a year with your sport, but you could be in the NFL because you're stronger, but no, no, no. You'd rather have two grand. Believable. Uh, so, so anyway, these are like strongest guys in the world, most gifted guys in the world. And I tell them when you do skill work, it's got nothing to do with what we're trying to stimulate. It's, it's like a different thing. It's like, you can get a haircut and you can cut your fingernails and it's not, one's not gonna interfere with the other. Right. Uh, right. So it's just, it's just that, that simple. So the, the heat- yeah, But if you want to like actually like lift, yeah. I would say like a power lifter has to practice the skill. Sure. Like, honestly, your bench press, because you'll lose the ability if you switch completely to X3, the ability to just keep the bar balanced because holding the bar that's not connected to anything. And of course, there's always some dipshit that bench presses with the Smith machine, which is, I'll make you a list of what's wrong with that. But, uh, you know, you see those guys in the gym and it's like, yeah, man, I, it's like, did you put a Ferrari emblem on your uh, uh, <laughs> the kit car? Yeah, right. Yeah. Or just put a giant spoiler, you know, <laughs> on your car, which goes like 90. Um, yeah. So those are the guys. Uh, so the, the heat are, are they, they're using the X3 specifically for their strength work now? Yeah. So they're, they, they're, the drill, do they, they don't touch the drills. They really? do exactly the same drills. And I'm like, for learning for you guys, like not even for the sake of science, just for your team do the drills and do X3. And now you've isolated X3 as a variable. It's isolated. So if you see stronger tendons, stronger ligaments, way more power and speed, then you know what did it. Mm -hmm. Don't change the skill work at all because it's different. It's neurological. Right. And when the power lifter does the, you know, you know, the one rep, it's technique. It's like a, a, a golfer has to swing a golf club all the time to keep that pattern right. A pitcher, the same thing. A power lifter, the same thing. It's got nothing to do with the raw power that you're going to get out of, out of X3. So I tell these guys, practice the movement, 
but don't practice the movement loaded for your workout. Like build the power and explosiveness with X3 and then like work on the movement. You know, another thing, you know, like people do sumo squats, right? You've seen mm-hmm. yeah. competition. So a sumo squat is also like grabbing the bar really wide on the, on the bench press. It's like a method of cheating that just isn't against the rules. So you have a shorter distance to go. Nobody exercises like that. I mean, clowns exercise like that. But that's a way to get away with holding more weight in a competition. Yeah. So you win the title. But that's just not the way you train because you're, ac- you're actually activating far less muscle when you do it like that. Hmm. Like if I'm out here and this is how I'm, I'm bench pressing, if I'm taking a wide grip and bench pressing, are my, are my pecs getting to the shortest position where they're most powerful? Not even close. Sure. In fact, they go from stretched to slightly less stretched. It's like the worst. It's just a, a leverage thing. Yeah, you're just giving yourself a mechanical advantage. Yeah. So with the with it seems like that are adopting this, so are they completely just putting away their their weight training completely and just doing the skill work and then they're using the X3? I tell them to. Yeah. Now the heat, that's exactly how it works. Um with some of the NFL guys, because I'm working with them directly, mm-hmm. um, Andy Isabel, he's one of the fastest guys, fastest receivers in the NFL. Great example. Like his strength coach looked at it and is like, man, I'm just afraid we'll like lose a little bit of power if we like drop weights and go to this. So he wants Andy to do both now. Andy's become faster. So that's good. All right. Uh, and uh, he's seeing success, but the success is diminished if you throw, you know, other stimuli in there because that interferes with recovery and everything. Right. I mean, it, it makes sense if you're, if you're using this, it's going to be, you know, much less stress on the joints, as you said, because there's going to be less overall reps and, uh, compounding too. And then if, if you're putting yourself in that safer position at all times, especially for, uh, you know, a basketball player who needs to be real elastic. Uh, that, that, that really makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about the other part of your book. Um, cardio being a waste of time. I I can't have you on here without you talking about that because, uh, this is one of the, the biggest things that I get people asking me about and, uh, it's really interesting. So why put that in the title of your book? Uh, because that's really there to catch the interest of women because they're under the impression that if they just do hours and hours of like fasted cardio or you know low cat like their their calorie deficit cardio that they are going to look like you know gal gadot or i think she pronounced it gadot the the, the girl yeah girl. wonder woman yeah they think they're gonna look like wonder woman yeah i can promise you Gal does not do a lot of cardio. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's strong looking. So uh, cardio increases cortisol for like long periods of time. Cortisol goes up when you do all kinds of stuff. Cortisol goes up when you get out of bed. So it, that's not an excuse for staying in bed all day long. But it goes up and then goes right back down. And when you train, even weight training, you get a, a slight bit of a damage response. And uh, though you, I kind of go in and you shouldn't necessarily, you don't with X3 uh, because it's 
there's really no muscle damage with X3. Uh, the, the more damage you have, the less you grow. It's sort of the opposite of what we've been told, but we can get into that later. Mm. Um, so there's 40 years of research that shows the upregulation of cortisol in the form of sustained cardio will <clears throat> diminish muscle mass and encourage the extra storage of fat. So you stay fatter longer and you lose your muscle. And when you look at like a sprinter and then you look at like a marathon runner, they have the same body. Yeah, I mean, completely different body types. You're right. Like the marathon runner, skinny fat. Right. They've lost so much muscle. That's why they, that's why they look small. It's because the muscle's completely diminished. Now, if you think about the logic of what the body's doing, the body realizes that in the environment it's put in, it has to go great distances on small amounts of energy. So how does it accomplish that? It accomplishes that by shrinking the size of the engine, by increasing the size of the storage. So you store more fat, you lose your muscle mass. Uh, it uh, leaches minerals from the bone. So you lose bone density. I mean, which is an incredible health problem. Right. So, I mean, that's like three massive reasons why I would not recommend a cardiovascular based approach to getting lean. And how, how much, uh, is, what, is there a certain amount of time or certain level at your heart rate before, you know, you want to cut off that cardio if you're going to do it? Is that, they say extended bouts of cardio, is it an hour, hour and a half? 30. How many? 30. Don't 30 minutes? More. Yeah, no, somebody just does, you know, 20 minutes of cardio uh, to like warm up or wake up or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. 30 minutes of sustained cardio in like target heart rate. Right. You don't want to do that. Okay. Good. So you, you touched on uh, muscle damage and we have it wrong. Why do we have it wrong? So a couple great studies and, and I got some great graphics in there that, that show what happens is when you have muscle damage, your muscle protein synthesis attenuates the damage and you don't grow. It just addresses the damage. When you take the muscle to fatigue without damaging it, which is totally what X3 does, mm -hmm. then you get the maximum amount of muscle protein synthesis. So like that's why people are seeing these, these changes. Most people get more damage and they're hardly growing, hmm. even if they have the proper amount of protein or whatever. Yeah. So people, when people start using this, they're seeing results in what's the general amount of time when they, when they start noticing, I mean, I mean, feeling and noticing uh, aesthetic differences. Lean people will see it in a week. Really? Heavier people will see it if they use it right. Sure. You know, I mean, there's people who like make up their own exercises or don't go to fatigue, you know, like they're like completely rested by the time they're done with their set. You know, there's always guys like that though. Yeah. And if, if you do this protocol, like the full body protocol, that's a little rough. I mean, if you do it to complete fatigue, and I don't think most people really know what that exactly feels like, but to the point, um, and you guys can look up X3, but to the point where, where you're going through that range and then you do the shorter range of motion where you can't almost like micro reps, if you will, they're really tiny until you completely, uh, completely fry out. It is exhausting and your heart rate does get elevated. And, um, 
it's it's much tougher than than I thought it was going to be the first time I, uh, I picked that thing up, honestly. Sean Baker says it. He's like, I'm a you know, I'm a world record strength athlete. He says this is the hardest workout I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I find that people, I mean, uh, this experience has made me disappointed with the general human population as far as intelligence goes. However, the people who actually get the product, who are probably the more intelligent ones because they bother to read the science, they're not afraid of effort. What they're afraid of is time. Mm. Like they want to grow faster. No, they don't want to wait 20 years to get fit. They also just don't have the time to put in the workouts. Like, you know, when you're, when you're in your 20s and you have a job where you don't have any work you take home, you know, like, you know, sort of entry-level job, right. you have tons of time, uh, you know, like nothing's really pulling you in any direction. So you work out and you hang out at a bar and then, uh, or you, you know, drink with friends now, but we're not allowed to go to bars for no good reason. But uh, the, the, whole, the whole lifestyle is changes when you get a real job and somebody actually needs your attention like 24 seven. Uh, and cause you're like doing some important shit. And then all of a sudden you get married and I won't go into that, uh, but that that doesn't help your free time. Sure. Uh, and then and then you have kids, and then it's just like, wow, like, did I even use the restroom today? <laughs> I can't even remember. So yeah, I mean, like it's it's like it's very time efficient, but people are not afraid of working hard. And so when I tell them you have to absolutely shut down the muscle, oh, they are afraid of injury though. Mm. So, which is why a lot of like lifting, like the, basically somebody lifts hard and imagines that injuries are for sissies and that's not them. And then they get injured and then they like basically never train heavy again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, and they never grow again. But with X3, you're using a much higher weight than you'd ever be able to use in the gym. I don't care what you're doing. Like much higher, maybe three, four, five times higher. Then you're using more repetitions because of the variable resistance and you're able to actually apply diminishing range so that it stimulates a far greater level of hypoxia and then suppresses myostatin, which is the muscle growth limiter in the body. So you get to grow even more than normal. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you definitely feel it when, when you're going through those. I mean, I think the oh, dead, I, I, I like, I like have to like sit on the floor and like I'm gasping for air. The deadlift. Um, that's probably the one that's, uh, I mean, it's exhausting when you're doing it with weights, but you know, when you're doing it uh, with that diminishing range of motion too, that, that one hamstrings, glutes, I mean, abs as well are really frying on that. Um, if you're doing it correctly. And, and that's one thing you, you say that people, don't necessarily need to be do specific abdominal training when they're using this. Um, well, the abdominals grow much faster and better when they get um, when they get afferent activation as opposed to direct activation. That means activation in form of a reflex. 
Very strange. Parts of the cat, uh, I think it's just the gastroc, only responds to balancing. You won't get it to grow with direct work, hmm. which is like sprinters, like they have amazing calves, right? Right. That's, so you got to balance. Or if you use the X3, like you got to really balance yourself with your calves, which is why the gastroc uh, growth is just tremendous because you're basically fighting falling over because you're holding yourself plus like 200 other pounds right. and putting all that force to your calves. Like they respond like that. So, so abs are much as and obliques and, and quadratus muscles, uh, everything you see, you know, in your core, much better response by balancing you. Cause if you think like, when do humans really like crunch? Maybe when they get out of bed, it's really about it. Right. But if you and I have to like, you know, fight a saber tooth tiger, I mean, let's imagine we went back in history. Sure. Like, would we be using our abs? Yeah, to keep us stable, right. to keep us moving forward or moving back. But they're stabilizers. It's not like let me do get on the ground and do a crunch so I can kill this thing. Right? <laughs> Unless you got knocked on your back and you do some sort of crazy crunch to poke out its eye or something. Right. And, you know, it's like, oh my God, a crunch and it just dissolves. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. So it's like you got to really look at how we use the muscle in our, in our activities of daily living. And it's an indirect actor always. And so, so I focus on the stabilization function. Of course, you can just look at the customers and you see incredible abs everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, and they're doing zero direct ab work. Makes sense. So what would you recommend for individuals um, who want to get in shape? I mean, your kind of ov overall view on fitness here, because you get, you get into diet and all, all sorts of things um, in, in your book as well. So what would your general recommend, re recommendations be for someone that, you know, wants to get in shape is limited on time. And I mean, I'm sure X3 is part of that, but uh, what can people do that you see them not doing um, to be healthier? I don't want to piss off my customers here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Inventing stupid shit to do with it. Don't come up with your own way to use it. Okay. Follow the program. Like, like I even like, I quote the Mandalorian. I'm like, I give him the link, you know, to the program. And I'm like, this is the way. End of story. You know, I don't say end of story. Just this is the way. Let's do it this way. Uh, and it's because a lot of them don't understand the growth principles like hypoxia, for example. Like I could give a two hour lecture about hypoxia and people would be like, oh my God. Like that's been like left to the side for like, 50 years like nobody focuses on that uh and and then you know um hyperplasia we now know we can tri trigger hyperplasia but explaining it it took me 20 pages with scientific references and i i actually feel bad for a lot of people who read the book and they're like they get to that chapter and they're like what the fuck <laughs> like like, I, I think I need to take a class before reading. It, it's especially that section of the book. I feel bad. I had to do it that way, though, because, you know, like I was talking to a friend of mine this morning uh, and she's like asking some things that she had read and like, you know, 
women's wear daily or, or something, you know, something that covers fitness, but like is not academic literature, the right. furthest thing from it. And, you know, because people read stuff and they believe it, it's published, right? right? So oversimplification is another word for wrong. And to get to true simplification is very difficult with complex subjects. So I just, I couldn't do it with, with the hyperplasia section and show how to do it and how to use carbohydrates to inflate the cell, get as much uh, uh, blood retention, water retention in the cell and as much nutrients in the cell and then stretching that muscle. And uh, Dr. Uh, Professor Jose Antonio, like this was his thesis. And I, show, I know you know who that is, a mm -hmm. uh, professor at um, Florida State. And like he did it with, with, uh, with birds where they would stretch the muscle. Now we're not birds and we do not have the biochemistry of birds, but you can basically torture a bird into a two day long stretch that'll increase the, the volume of muscle by 150%. So you more than double the size of the pectoral muscle of the bird in two days. Wow. Just by, by stretching, like, and they're exhausted, you know, constantly because they're always moving their, their, arm, their wings. Right. So like the idea that humans could maybe do that. Now, I've actually thought about doing like a five hour stretched, you know, stimulus after a workout. I've done it for like a minute, you know, just, or two minutes. I think I did it once for 10 and it just felt like I was going to die. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, it's like an extreme stretch. It's like as much, as much as you can get out of it. So you, you stretch the tissue and hold as long as you can, basically. Yeah. Just get in a doorway and you know, as, as much as you can stretch. But as soon as I started using that, that protocol, I mean, like my, my girlfriend at the time, was looking at me and like, what the hell did you do to your chest? It's huge. Like, and this is like a couple of days later. Yeah. So Dr. Antonio was right. That's like, funny. yeah, I mean, it's it's not the same and it's a great animal model. Now you would never get past a human ethics board like to collect a bunch of people and they were gonna have to be in a, in a painful stretch position for like 48 hours. Right. Like they would never accept that. No. Yeah. I mean, I bet you in Russia they would. I think in Russia they pretty much get away with anything. Honestly, in the United Kingdom, they're a lot cooler. That's why I went to, to London to do my research. Hmm. Like, I go to an American hospital and they're like, well, we can't allow that. Yeah. Can you like actually think about it? Can I discuss it with your board? And they're like, no, that's just, it's not going to pass. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So uh, that's funny. So what is your, uh, let's talk a little bit about nutrition. What, what is your, um, I guess, uh, what is your go-to nutrition protocol for yourself and people if you were to choose a specific pattern? I mean, we, we all want to be in a box, right? Um, what, what box would you put people in? You mean what would, like an abbreviated recommendation of what they yeah. should do? Um, I would tell them two things, eliminate low quality protein, like whey, like 18% of it is used by the body. The rest are all those bubbles in your urine. It's just nitrogen. 
Mm-hmm. It just goes right through you because there's a very low level of the amino acids you need and a lot of amino acids you don't. Um, but it's cheap to produce and it literally is a, a dairy industry uh, waste product. It's tr- it was taken out of the trash at first. Like uh, Dan Duchesne was literally buying dairy farms trash. Like I need all that whey that you're going to go throw, you know, you know, push down the drain or have toxic disposal, take it away. He goes, I, I want that. And so he literally took garbage and turned it into like a high-end supplement. Hmm. That's why we have it. Not for any good reason. So 18% usable. So get rid of the garbage. Like, and like pea protein is like 9% usable. So like, why even bother with it? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, vegans, I got an answer for them, uh, which is bacterial fermentation. Uh, you know, eating, eating the byproduct of dead bacteria is not hurting anything. So I've had an argument. They're like, well, what about the lives of the bacteria? And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> really? Like, they're, com- they're, they're not even really alive. It's like, yeah, they're alive, but not really. Um, not as we define. Anyway, uh, you know, you've had discussions with uh, vegans before. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, um, it's like talking to the snake handlers in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, so so I, I tell people veganism is going to go down in history like anorexia and bulimia. It's just an eating disorder. I mean, anorexics and bulimics think they're doing something for their health also. So just because you think you're doing something else, it doesn't mean you're right. And uh, also, fun fact, you can bring this up at cocktail parties. Vegetable farming kills 7.3 billion animals per year in the United States. Poisoning birds, poisoning uh, gophers, ground squirrels, foxes, deer. Uh, Most of the deer get shot. But I, I used to, I went to high school in Napa Valley. My parents moved to Napa Valley. We had views of vineyards. We could hear every morning, you know, the guys who were tending to the vineyards, they go out there, pop 10 deer, just load them on a meat wagon, throw them in a, in a, in a pile of rot. Wouldn't even eat the meat. Wow. But I mean, hey, like if you want to grow vegetables, that's what you got to do. That's just a fact. And yeah. any expanding species is going to take resources from another species. That's just the ecosystem. Sure. And so if we keep getting more people, we're going to take up more space to grow more vegetables, or we're going to take up more space to grow more cattle. Either way, animals die. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so my, my go-to advice, get the crap uh, quality protein out. Get high quality protein and only focus on that. Like all I count is my grams of protein a day. Like I don't count calories. I know I'm at a, a deficit, uh, and I do, I only eat one meal a day. So I have a calorie deficit and I'm getting a fasted benefit and uh, I'm getting a protein surplus. So in a protein surplus in a calorie deficit, I got four studies that are listed in the book that show that you can gain muscle and lose body fat at the same time. So that makes people's results much faster. And so like, I mean, I've, unfortunately I got to pitch my own product here, but the supplement I came up with for, for, uh, for protein, it's a, it's a very different essential amino acid complex. It's mm-hmm. called Fortigen. Uh, it was taken from uh, a cancer treatment that was designed to stop muscle wasting. So it has 
behind it and it was just as slightly to make it more anabolic and then um and it's made out of the bacterial fermentation mm. unlike others which are just like yeah the the the, the makeup is there, but it doesn't work. Like we've had essential amino acids for, I don't know, 50 years and nobody's ever said they really did anything. Mm. Like they do something on paper, but when people actually take them, they're like, I got nothing out of it. And it's because they're made incorrectly. So yes, on paper, if they're absorbed by the body, it'll do miraculous things. But most of the products out there are not the usable essential amino acids because they were just made incorrectly. Mm. That's why you need that fermentation process. Yeah. Yeah. The fermentation process is so important. What was the name of your product again? Fortagen. Fortagen. How do you spell that? F-O-R-T-A-G-E-N. Okay. We'll, we'll put that in the, um, in the show notes too. So people also like, I'll, I have a landing page that I, that oh. we'll talk about at the end of the show where everything is there, like superior nutrition, superior exercise, bone density, like all the stuff I've been doing. Perfect. All right, all right, my friend, I have one last question. X3, fat or future? Oh, it's the future. Like if I can get a professional athlete to throw their weights in the trash and use this only and say they're more successful. And I don't pay any of these guys, by the way. No. Never paid an athlete. So honestly, I can't afford them. I mean, these guys, their brands are worth ridiculous amounts of money. They just let me use their pictures because like they got great results. They believe in the product. And the only thing I give them is I give them my phone number. They can call me at any time and ask any question. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't come across anybody annoying yet. Cause I, I was like, sure. Like somebody will call me and be like, how do I do laundry? You know I mean? You know, somebody, will, there'll be some character out there that'll, that'll test that. But um, you know, they've been great. And, uh, and like, like people, there's also a lot of professional athletes and maybe one like kind of the last physique actor we have on earth that are X3 users, but you know, I don't pay him, so I can't really talk about it. Right. You know, even a, even a guy from New England. We even may put X, X, actual X3 in his ads for his own product. But that, that would be big. No one knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, nobody at all. <laughs> uh, all right, my friend, where can people uh, find you and more about the X3? Okay, so the landing page, my Instagram, YouTube, everything's there. Uh, it's All it is, is is links to go to different places, to, depending on what you're looking for. It's drj.com. Uh, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J.com. All right. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you coming on, my friend. Uh, weightlifting is a waste of time. You guys decide. Fat or future. It's Joey Thurman. There's another episode of the Fat or Future podcast. Remember, don't be a fatty, F-A-D-D-Y. Be a part of the future. Cheers. 